Welcome to the Tanakh Podcast. Today, Malachim Bet, Perak Chaf Aleph, Chapter 21. Today we study about Menashe, who is about as evil as they come. He is the worst king in um, Mamlecha Yehuda. He's one of those kings, he's amongst the three that the Mishnah in Sanhedrin says, three kings, Yeravam, Achav, and Menashe, who have no place in the world to come. And we, we read, He did abominations like the nations who were dispossessed before Bnei Israel. He not only builds all of the Bamot, which Chizkiyahu destroyed, but he establishes altars to Baal and Asherah. He worships all of the hosts of the heavens. In other words, he's very into astrology. Um, if I quote Albright, he, he talks about the idea that there is no period of cuneiform records that yield a remotely comparable mass of tablets relating to magic and divination than that the the royal Syrian letters of the time contain numeral references to astrology and magic. It was practically impossible for a small vassal state to keep from being flooded with idolatrous and superstitious practices which were under royal Assyrian protection. And indeed, this is exactly what he does. He's totally into witchcraft and magic. In other words, the world of superstition. He built altars to idolatrous gods in the house of God. Uh, the place where Amar Hashem Yerushalayim Instead of gods there, now there are the names of Abu Zara. There's pretty much nothing that he didn't do. We read even uh, he also spilt blood freely in Jerusalem, probably people who opposed his religious direction, until he filled Jerusalem from side to side in blood, apart from the sins which he caused to Yehuda. And therefore, the center stage of chapter 21 is an awful prophecy that I'm going to bring destruction over Jerusalem and Yehuda, and everybody who hears, well, their ears will be ringing and I'll destroy Jerusalem just like I destroyed Shomron and I'm going to wipe Jerusalem like somebody wipes their plate clean and then and then turns it over. There's nothing very good that we can say here in Sefer Melachim about Menashe. You know, after Menashe, dies, his son Amon takes over, and then his son Yoshiahu. And Yoshiahu is a tremendous king, brings the people back with tshuva. We'll talk about it, please God, tomorrow. Um, and even the Tanakh says, There was no king as righteous as Yoshiahu. He repented like, like no other with all his heart, soul, with all his might. But then, but God was not placated from his 
furious rage, when he was enraged against Yehuda, in other words, what Menashe does is absolutely irreparable. And even amazing kings, Balei Tshuva, Tzadikim, who come after this, cannot repair the damage. Now, this starts getting quite surprising when we start looking back in this Mishnah in Sanhedrin, because as I read before, there are three kings, Yeravam, Achav, and Menashe have no place in the world to come. But then there's a different opinion. Rabbi Yehuda says, Menashe has a portion in the world to come. Why? Because in he, here he quotes Divra Hayamim, where it says, love that Menashe cried out to God, God heard his pleas and brought him back to Jerusalem to his kingdom. What's going on? What's this story in Divra Hayamim? Well, in Divra Hayamim, we read that Menashe, at a certain point, rebelled against Ashur, and Ashur came and took him in chains to Bavel. And um, during this time, um, when he was in trouble, he reached out to God, and he was very, very uh, meek and humble. Um, he humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers. and He prayed to God, and God listened to his prayer, heard his plea, and returned him to Yushalayim, to his kingdom. And then, this is what it says in Divrei Amim. And Menashe knew that Hashem was God. And even when he comes back to Jerusalem, he removed the foreign gods and all of the altars which he had built on the, the mountains facing Jerusalem, etc., etc. And I've got to tell you, I'm really confused here, because when I read Malachim, it tells us that there was none like Menashe, and that the kingdom couldn't recover after Menashe. Even the wonderful king Yoshiahu couldn't undo the damage. And now I look at Divrahim Amim, and it tells us that Menashe did Shuvah. What exactly is happening here? So this is a real enigma, and I'd like to suggest a solution in the short amount of time we have together. Let's assume that Divrahayamim is correct, and that indeed Menashe was captured by the Assyrians, somehow found God um, in his distress, and did Shuva. So let's look at the agenda of each of these different Svarim. Malachim was written in the shadow of the Khorban. It's coming to explain what went wrong. How did we get into the Khorban? How is it that we reach such devastation? And even though Menashe personally did tshuva, one could argue that it's too little too late. Let's think about it. Menashe, 55 years of idolatry. His son Amon keeps the kingdom in an idolatrous path for another two years. And then comes Yoshiahu. But Yoshiahu only really engages in his religious form reform in his 18th year. That means we have 75 years without any Judaism in the kingdom. 75 years where the country is awash with idolatry, with superstition. You know, when we think about, for example, Soviet Jewry, who lost so much of their identity 
Well, the Russian Revolution, 1917, the Iron Curtain fell. What was it, 1990? What is that? 73 years? And look how much damage was done by a regime which was looking to, to offer a different system. It's, it's almost frightening to think that in Yehuda there could have been such a, a, a long period with, where, where Hashem was alienated, where Hashem's Avodah Hashem was at the sidelines, maybe even banned and persecuted. And therefore, it would be reasonable to say that the effects of Manasseh really led to the Khorban. He weakened the country so thoroughly in terms of his religious direction. There's nothing to be salvaged after that. And even the great Yoshiahu, who's, who's fabulous in his own right, but there was already sort of a center of gravity, which was leading, leading away from God, leading away from Judaism. And eventually this toppled, this, this, this ended up crumbling the kingdom and, and the kingdom fell. So that's uh, Malachim's uh, agenda. And therefore Malachim feels no debt to Menashe. There's no need to mention Menashe's tshuva, even though it happened, because essentially it's just a, a drop in a bucket. It, it, it's nothing. It's irrelevant in terms of the, 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 the trajectory of the kingdom. Menashe was an idolater through and through. He was a murderer. And the, the regime which he set forth just sort of made the kingdom spiral downwards. Divra HaYamim, though, is a very, very different book. Divra HaYamim is a second temple book. Hazal say that Divri HaYamim was written by Ezra. Ezra comes to Jerusalem when the temples already built the second temple, but they're having a very hard time keeping their religious standard. The second temple has been built, but people are intermarried and they are not keeping Shabbat. And more than anything else, Ezra's trying to convince the people that you can return, you can, you can improve, you can make this temple into something absolutely great. And therefore, Divrei Hayamim is always going to celebrate Bale Tshuva. And maybe he wants to include in Divrei Hayamim the Tshuva of Menashe to say, look at this, even the, the worst idolater found, found God in the end. Even the person who's made all the mistakes eventually turned his life around and decided that his life had been led in error. And now he needs to return to God. He eventually cleaned up the idolatry from the temple. And he rejected it. This, this gives hope. Because, you know, if you live with the sins of the past, there's a fabulous line in Eicha where they say, Avotenu chatuva enam, Our fathers sinned and they're no more. And we bear their sins. Now, that's a line which it goes with Sefer Malachim. We're so weighed down with sin that we cannot survive. We cannot the, the temple's just going to be destroyed. But that is not an ideology that is sustainable for Ezra. Ezra has to bring the people back. And therefore, Ezra is even going to tell the story of Manasseh's tshuva so that everybody understands that even the greatest sinner can find their way back to God. Thank you for listening. See you tomorrow.